You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Friday. We continue our rookie orientation series today with Jair Alexander, Mark Ennis, who used to cover... Louisville Athletics and now has a local radio show, is on the show to talk about the Packers' first-round pick, Jair Alexander, cornerback from Louisville taken with the 18th overall pick after Green Bay traded out of the 14th spot. And I just, before we get into Alexander, who I really think you're going to like, I really think you're going to like this this interview with Mark and you're going to get a much better feel for who Jair Alexander is as a person, as a player, and as a as a future community member in Green Bay, I would also recommend you go read the Ryan Wood story in Packers News. Excellent deep dive on some things about Jair. But before we even get into that, I want to just reiterate. There were a lot of fans, and I was one of those people who was frustrated that Green Bay decided to trade out of the 14th pick with Derwin James on the board. Obviously, that was my dude. I thought he was one of the best defensive players in the draft. I think he can be an all-pro caliber safety. Getting the first round extra pick and then getting back into that 18th spot. Essentially, the combination of Jair Alexander and whoever they get next year has to be Worse than Derwin James. The added value to those teams. And in a true value sense, the Saints gave up what was enough to go up to get the number one pick given where they were. More than the number one pick, in fact. That's how they valued that 14th pick. Given the added value there, Derwin James essentially has to be the next Ed Reed. And that... Is that is assuming that Alexander and whoever they're able to get next year are nothing. Now, we can evaluate this in a vacuum as, as a point of process. Draft grades are okay to do if you're grading process, if you're grading approach. And how the Packers approached this trade is exactly how they should have approached this trade. They had all of this extra assets, all of this, this draft capital to use. They get... This future asset, this great future asset, knowing that from 27, they can move up into range where they can get one of these guys. And then what ends up happening, now this is outcome, not process, but you could argue that Green Bay knew or or had a feeling that at 45, there was going to be a very good player on the board and that they felt like there could be a potential first round player on the board. And that's what ended up happening. So if you look at their first two picks at 18 and 45, between those two players, one of them is probably going to be good. 
And so that's why from a process standpoint, I under, Derwin James, I think, is going to be great. I, I mean, anyone that's listened to this show for any length of time knows that I believe that. But that doesn't mean it was a bad trade. It was a good trade. Clearly, Green Bay did not have Derwin James as a ultra, can't-miss, future, super-duper star prospect, number one overall prospect in the class kind of guy. They just clearly didn't. They must have had a cluster of players that they would have felt comfortable taking there. And that is how this works. When you have a cluster, Ozzie Newsom does the same thing. He likes clusters of guys. And so if you have multiple guys in that cluster, trading down, especially when you're going to get a first-round pick, makes a ton of sense. Now, getting just to Jair Alexander specifically, and, and Zach Cruz pointed this out at, at Packers Wire, and, and I think this is great. Ron Wolf's first draft pick in Green Bay was Terrell Buckley. Ron Wolf hired Brian Gutekunst, who is now the GM, obviously. Brian Gutekunst's first pick as the Packers GM is Jair Alexander. His cornerbacks coach at Louisville, Terrell Buckley. Now, Green Bay and its fans and, and anyone that is rooting for the Packers uh, hopes that Alexander's career goes much better than Buckley's. But Buckley will be the first person to admit that Alexander is set up to succeed and, and perhaps better than he was. Alexander is an outstanding athlete, a former receiver. There's an interesting anecdote in the Ryan Wood piece that when Alexander was in high school, he would he would play football and he clearly had burst and athleticism, but he had bad running form. And so he would explode for these punt returns and then get caught in the open field because he was he was basically a 4-7 runner. 4-7 is like what a what a tight end would run. Or a linebacker, you know, Jake Ryan ran 4-7. And a track coach basically said, we got to fix this. And by his senior year, Alexander worked and worked and worked. By his senior year, he was running 4-4-3. At spring practice last year, Lamar Jackson and Jair Alexander both ran 40s. Lamar Jackson may be the fastest player in college football over the last two years. He ran 4-3-4. Alexander ran 4-3-2. This is a guy who has worked and worked and worked. No offers in the state of North Carolina. He's from Charlotte. And you'll hear, you'll hear Mark say this. That motivated him. And he was pissed about that. And he plays that way. And he wanted to beat the daylights out of those other ACC teams that passed on him. Well, the Bears could have taken Alexander at 8. Let's see them twice a year. 49ers could have taken him at nine. I mean, there are some NFC teams that Alexander might might be might feel a certain type of way about. And if if that's something that he carries and that's something that he uses, he's proven that that is something that can really motivate him. Before we get to Mark, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Don't just fast forward to this part. I would appreciate it if if you'd listen. Because I want to give you something. I'm trying to help you become a more informed football fan. I learn something every time I go on the PFF site because there's so much information there for you to use. Whether it's their NFL draft data, whether it's their fantasy football data, their tools, their charts, they have profiles. There's a lot of non-data content on that site that 
that is useful and, and informative for you, put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. Get behind that paywall. All it takes is a review with your name and your Twitter handle of this podcast on iTunes. All right, let's get to Mark. He is the host of The Drive on 939 The Ville, Monday through Friday. I'm sure you can simulcast that. That is ESPN Louisville. He is on Twitter at Mark Ennis. He and I have been longtime Twitter friends, finally getting to, to speak voice to voice. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining Locked On Packers. Hey, I'm happy to do this. Nice to talk to you. You as well. So the Packers trade out of the 14th pick and then back into the 18th pick to get Louisville corner Jair Alexander. And you were one of the first people I sent a message to to say, hey, talk to me about this kid. Tell me, tell me what he's like, what Packer fans should expect. And you you offered uh, some great insight, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. So just when, when, when Alexander came to campus, obviously as a 19-year-old, he breaks out, has five interceptions as a sophomore. Uh, was that the point at which you, you realized, yeah, this kid, he's, he's got something? You know, early in his career, he didn't see the field a ton as a freshman at corner. Where he really made his impact was he was a really good punt returner. And then he mm-hmm. would be the uh, nickel slot corner while he kind of waited his time. But, yeah, the sophomore year, and I'll tell you really the moment. He was everywhere in the Florida State game where they blew Florida State out uh, early in the season that year. Uh, and he had a punt return for a touchdown that really sealed the game. And that's when you realize, man, this guy is, is really very different. And then you know, three weeks later, that Clemson game, he was the reason Louisville was even close to winning that game. So he's he's such an interesting kid. I've, I've been conditioned to think about uh, athletes and stuff now in terms of how what it'll mean for local media because now, you know, we need sound and that sort of thing. <laughs> and I can just tell yeah. you that, uh, you know, some guys are, are just empty, quoteless nothing. And some guys are robots like Petrino is just a terrible robot with the media. And Jair Alexander is a first-round media relations draft pick he is just a quote (laughs) machine and you will you will love him being there you and you can tell when you watch him uh that that he plays with that sort of uh braggadocio that sort of swagger i mean he he is responsible for one of my favorite college football gifts in a long time (laughs) the wake forest Um, Yes, yeah. it, it, it's tremendous. And, and if you haven't seen it, go on Twitter and find it. Um, but he, as you mentioned, that Clemson game, to, to have the kind of day two interceptions and a forced fumble against Deshaun Watson, against the future national championship yes. team, um, th- that was as good a game as, as any prospect in this class had. Um, what was the difference the last season? Because um, in 2017, he didn't produce at the same level was not as as dynamic as a playmaker in terms of the splash plays, the interceptions, but he was also hurt. Yeah, the, the big difference this year was in the season opener. Uh, well, first of all, they changed defensive coordinators uh, and had, quite frankly, a significant downgrade from Todd Grantham to Peter Sermon, who came in, uh, and the defense got very simple, very bland, and then he got hurt. In the season opener, they blocked a field goal against Purdue, and uh, Jair had a moment and decided to run down and try to pick it up and run with it. And uh, he got blasted kind of from the side without seeing it right in the knee. And he was out for seven, I think, seven weeks after that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, even when he came back, his first game back, he wasn't 100%. But it's funny, you learn 
things about guys like indirectly in the the handful of games at the end of the season where he was full strength, which was the season ender against Kentucky, against Virginia. Uh, he was lights out. And the defense was I, about 75 yards better per game just with him being out there. Wow. And he just makes it – he's that guy – like he's what you want your quarterback to be on offense. Like you get in the huddle and it's all of a sudden everybody has like borrowed courage from him. Like he's, he's like that for Louisville and they were more aggressive and they tackled better and uh, everything just sort of seemed to be a little bit better with him uh, out there. And I tell you what, just to give him some credit, you know, he lingered all year with this injury, but he was never one like joking around by the bench, you know, uh, he was always on crutches on the sideline, you know, a junior coach sort of behind Peter Sermon and the, and the, the defensive guys. So uh, handled it about as good as he could. But this year, injuries really robbed him and Louisville. Uh, and, and the defense was atrocious without him. Yeah. And that, and that's one of those things. Uh, he You mentioned him staying around. It seems like, I mean, reading quotes from the players around here, one of, the, one of his uh, defensive line uh, teammates predicted he would be a Hall of Famer. Uh, you you can just tell that the guys on the team they, they they look up to him in a way, even though he's he's not you know some sort of like fifty year senior guy. Uh, it seems like that he is he's just one of those guys that has that it factor that that teammates just gravitate toward. Uh, totally, and, and I, he has a tremendous amount. It's hard for a guy to be really confident. Uh, and not be off-putting, but he right. he really does manage to kind of dance there in the literally probably uh, dance there you know in the middle uh, because you know one of the things that I always liked about him was he was like really uh, like an average recruit he was like the barely the top one thousand players in the country you know at mm-hmm. high school and he was just a kid that was going to be a throw into South Carolina's class until Steve Spurrier started to just kind of mail it in at the very end. Uh, and Louisville swept in there and offered him and he enrolled early and he really took advantage of that. And he really like kept the fact that none of the North Carolina schools wanted him. Like he was always reminding people of that. And so like at at, uh, ACC media days last year, he sits down and he just starts individually. He's like, I went to Wake Forest camp and they didn't offer me. And I went to North Carolina's camp and they didn't offer me. And he's like, and I went to Duke, Duke. He said like that. It's really funny. I went to Duke's camp and they didn't offer me. He's like, and I'm still pissed off about it. You know, and then they beat every one of those schools that he went to and they didn't offer him over his three years. And he was happy to remind people of that too. And that's, again, you said the kind of guy you want playing quarterback. That's the kind of guy you want playing cornerback. You want a guy who takes it personally and says, I want to kick your ass every time we step on the field. It's interesting because um, a couple of the Virginia players – said Alexander is the best defensive player that they had played against. And yet in in the Virginia game, they got after him a little bit. He gave up two touchdowns, uh, and, and all, but also had two interceptions in that game. It was just interesting to hear them say how good he was, even though he gave up some plays in that game. That Virginia game was probably the, the turning point in the season. Like It really kept it from just falling off the rails. Uh, and what I what stuck out to me, in addition, of course, to him actually having interceptions, was they sacked the quarterback I think six times in that game, uh, and that was that was him being back. Like, like they had to be so timid uh, and so very conservative in the back end because of inexperience last year when he wasn't there, and then like quite literally the minute he was back in, they got way after the quarterback. 
because he was there to actually cover. Uh, and they, they had their best quarterback rushing sacks game of the season with him in the game. Like it was immediate and it was noticeable. He's just that kind of player. That is music to the ears of Packers fans, Mark, because they had some issues last year, not with the pass rush. They were a top 10 team in adjusted sack rate. It was all of those times when the, the pass rush couldn't get home. They couldn't cover anybody. Hmm. And, they, and they couldn't give their pass rush that extra half second that they needed to get to the quarterback. And that is what this investment at corner for the Packers is. My question to you is, you mentioned that that he was a slot earlier in his career. Is that something that that you think is his is his destiny at the NFL level, or do you think he's a little height wise a little undersized? But it doesn't seem like heart wise he's undersized to be an outside corner in the NFL. Oh no, he was only a slot uh, guy his freshman season because Louisville had you know some fairly decent corners that went on and hung around in the league for a little while. So that was really just a depth chart, and he was a true freshman thing. Uh, I think. He's yeah, he's a little short, but he's very strong. And for a corner, you know how corners sometimes are allergic to, to tackling. He is not. Mm-hmm. You know, he will he will throw himself in there. Uh, and so I no, I think he'll wind up being a stick me on the outside guy uh, and, and do just fine there. And, and look, in the ACC, he went up against super tall receivers at Florida State and the Clemson guys, and he held his own uh, pretty well there. So I don't think he'll have any problem in the league with that at all. Uh, you mentioned uh, his performance at Media Day. How is he um, in the locker room in terms of you know leadership? Is he is he a guy who's gonna who's gonna get on teammates, or is, is he more of a uh, lead by example type player? Uh, no, he's he's vocal. He's much more vocal than Lamar was. Uh, he's way more vocal, but he's not uh, a get after guys. You know, I, but I did enjoy, you know, in, uh, in times where he was out, you know, being around practices and he's coaching on crutches, you know, like he is he, like this year they had to play a true freshman at corner, Russ Yeast, uh, who really was not ready. Uh, and Lamar, I felt like kind of, or excuse me, Jair kind of went out of his way to be like extra positive with that guy because he really mm-hmm. struggled early on uh, and stuff like that. So no, you'll, you'll hear him. I think the minute he's got his feet under him, uh, you'll hear him talking uh, to people at practice, either his own guys or the others. But again, he does somehow manage to to walk that fine line of being confident and being a talker without really being like obnoxious. Sure. So one of the things that stands out is, you know, he's obviously he obviously has outstanding athletic ability, the four, three, eight, 40. He has incredible change of direction ability. But he also seems to just understand and have great feel for the game. Is 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 that just like an innate thing, or is he one of those guys who's who's going to sit in the the film room and just study too? I mean, it's a little of both. I think he is one of those guys that has the iron butt, and like sit down and watch film and be ready. Uh, and he never struggled with that. Enrolled early and jumped right into the mix. Uh, but yet yeah, the that intangible kind of feel for the game. Like the, he has that. And, and I'll say, quite frankly, he can catch, which is not always true, yeah. you know, of corners. There <laughs> no. was talk, you know, when he first got here that that they might kind of fight over him and maybe try to let him play receiver because, again, he can catch. Uh, but they made the right choice. He's a natural at corner temperament and, and, and abilities wise. But you could even see, like you were saying, the just the sense of, of what to do in being a, a really, really dangerous punt returner from day one. Like, he was just a really good punt returner from the get-go uh, and then emerged 
as a corner uh, the following season. So, yeah, he, it's a little bit of both. I think right away his his initial role in Green Bay is going to be in the slot just because of where, what the other guys that they have and as a punt returner. But I, I think certainly uh, he can grow into being more than that. And, and there's always that adage that NFL teams like a cornerback who was who returned punts because it means the coaches trust that guy. Yeah. And, and there's nothing more important that a cornerback can have than the trust of his coaches. Mark, where can people find more of, of, of what you put out into the world? Where can they follow you? All those things. Yeah, sure. Uh, I am on the radio here, 939thevill.com, Monday through Fridays, 3 to 6. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mark Ennis. Man, it's good to talk to you after like just being uh, Twitter buddies for forever. Yeah, likewise. I'm, I'm glad uh, this worked out. I'm, I'm glad we could do this. And uh, hopefully, maybe maybe there's another Louisville guy that, that ends up on the Packers here sometime soon. The last uh, big-name guy uh, did not work out so well, Brian Brown. Uh, <laughs> uh, so for ahead of the draft last week, we actually played a clip of the NFL draft guys uh, the morning after. And it, was, it wasn't Kuiper, but it was McShay and a handful of other uh, – uh, Merrill Hodge – Merrill Hodge was all in on Brian Brom. Yeah, they were breaking down who would win the eventual quarterback battle uh, to replace <laughs> Brett Favre, and they were four for four to a man that Brian Brom would be that guy. And it was boy, it was hard to listen to. Yeah, it's uh, not one of their better takes, and I really like McShay in particular. But uh, yeah, that that take has not aged particularly well. So uh, yeah, that that's um both famous and infamous around these parts. No, well, you know, Brian is, uh, he's, I think he's found his calling as a coach with his brother uh, at Purdue. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's going places in that regard. But the, yeah, the NFL was not for him. And, that, and that's, just, that's just the case with some of these guys. Mark, no, no, I, I think he's fine. He's fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. All right, Mark, I appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. You're listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Catch up on everything around the NFL with Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. I want to thank Mark for joining the show again. Always great to get the inside scoop on some of these players. Unless you were a fan of ACC football, you were probably not super familiar with Jair Alexander. He was someone that that came on my radar uh, after his sophomore season, the five interception season, one of the most dynamic players in the sport. And and as you heard, um, someone who has an effervescent personality, who is is just going to be a shot in the arm for this defense. And I think he, he is going to fit right in with this secondary group. And I think he's the perfect player to come in and learn from someone like Tremont Williams. He wants to put in the work. And, and Tremont Williams is a guy who made himself a Pro Bowl player from an undrafted free agent because he worked his ass off. Exactly the kind of guy that you want in the cornerback's room with Jair Alexander. And, and both corners, by the way, that the Packers took are former receivers. You want ball skills, you want playmaking, you want ball hawk. That's what these two guys are. That's what Jair Alexander is. And that is a stark contrast from the kinds of guys that Green Bay has taken at the position the last few years. All right, we'll be back on Monday with Josh Jackson. Rookie orientation will continue. I wanted to get the top three guys out of the way. We'll have more of them as we go through this process. Uh, I I don't know that they're going to continue to be right in order. It just happened to work out scheduling-wise that way. So we'll continue to have these over the next few weeks, hopefully get through most of of the top picks 
uh, and anyone else uh, interesting. We'll, we'll, of course, talk about the Aaron Rodgers contract when and if that gets signed, assuming it does now that Matt Ryan's been signed. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the highest paid player in football one way or another. Uh, it's going to be soon, and it's going to be in Green Bay. I don't think anyone should have any false fear about what's going to happen there. So for all the latest, make sure you're following AcmePackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, ProFootballWeekly.com. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. And always stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>